Welcome to the Atmosphere Church Podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this message. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. Our desire is to help lead you in experiencing God by following Jesus. If you want to find out more information about us, head over to our website at atmosphere.church. We have already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the message. We're covering this book of the Bible that is an ancient story about a man of God, a prophet of God, who was kind of a messed up guy. And so I told you, even though this is an ancient story, it's very relevant for our lives because let's be honest, we're all a little messed up, right? Uh, there's a little Jonah in all of us. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, I have a little Jonah. Just say, I have a little Jonah. We all have a little Jonah inside of us. So as we kind of, kind of get into the story, I want you to kind of hold it up as a mirror and see how God wants to speak to that Jonah that's inside of you and what he wants to do with it. And last week, we, we simply talked about how sometimes we run, we, we get away from what God, the very assignment God wants us to do, and we run the opposite direction. Well, today, we're going to kind of hear what happens when we run and that things get kind of messy. And a lot of times, we end up in a situation where we kind of feel like our life is out of control. Have you ever had a moment in your life where things were so out of control, you actually thought you were going to lose your life? Maybe it was a traffic situation. I, there were, about 10 years ago, I was driving on my frequent drive to Vegas. I didn't have a gambling problem. We actually had a church there. So I was driving to Vegas, and Interstate 15, uh, it, it's just a weird interstate, and there's a section as you are going to Vegas, it's like right outside the city called Baker, not Bakersfield, but Baker. It's like one of the hottest areas in the country is Baker, California. And I happened to be driving on a day they had a frequent winter storm and it started snowing. It snowed in Baker, California. So I'm driving in my truck and the snow is accumulating on the highway and I'm driving behind a diesel and I'm, I'm taking my time making sure that I make it to Vegas. And out of the blue, my truck just decides to veer off the highway. Now, it doesn't go right and go into the little shoulder and stop. It decides to go left. And this part of the the highway, there's no barrier between like the northbound traffic and the southbound traffic. And, And so I am having this moment in my truck. The truck is sliding. It's going all the way into the middle of the highway. I end up facing oncoming traffic on the other side of the highway. Now, there is a moment, I have to be honest with you, where I am not just praying, I am yelling my prayer. Have you ever had a, like, you just, like, and I think sometimes that's the most powerful prayer, like, Jesus, help me, right? I had my own Carrie Underwood, Jesus, take the wheel, literally, take the wheel, Jesus. Like, I thought I was going to die, because I have been on the highway so much, I knew the the cars coming the other way, most of them were diesels, and it's a slope, so they're coming down fast. If I slid off the highway trying to go up, they're definitely not going to be able to stop. So I'm like, this is my moment. I'm going to meet Jesus. 
And then what happens? I stop, the car stops, and there's no cars coming. So I'm like, this is crazy. Like, where are the cars? So I turn my car around. I get back on the other side of the highway again. Cars have pulled over and like probably, you know, had their cell phones out going, and we're going to catch something for YouTube here. This guy's just like out of control. And I, and I drive down the hill, like no other issue. And I get down to the bottom of the hill. I look over. The traffic has stopped. They were doing some kind of a road work or whatever. They stopped the cars from going up the hill. So what, that's why there were no cars on the oncoming traffic that I would have probably hit had they not stopped the traffic at the bottom of the hill. It was crazy. It's like a God story moment, but at the same time, a scary moment because it was a Jesus take the wheel moment. Today's section of Jonah is Jonah's Jesus take the wheel moment. And we're going to pick up at verse 11. Kylie already prayed. But it says, the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea get calm? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, made vows to him. And now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. That's chapter one. Let's go on to chapter two, verse one. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called out to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, in Hebrew, that's Sheol, so the, the place where people go when they die. I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas. This is like the abyss. Like this is, this is like in no man's land. And the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord, and the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. This was Jonah's Jesus take the will moment. This is where where Jonah is bartering with God. Maybe your life ran into a difficulty so bad that you started bartering with God. God, if you get me out of this thing that I'm going through, I promise I will. Have you ever had that kind of bartering moment with God before? We probably all have to a certain degree, if we're really honest with ourselves, this is it. But here's the cool part of the story is God listened to Jonah's prayer. So I'm gonna give you three points that I wanna highlight in this section that I believe are relevant for our lives to deal with the Jonah that we have in our lives 
and it will speak directly to that space. So if you're taking notes, write this down. You can also go to the Bible app. We have our notes on there that you can just uh, look at. But number one, if you're taking notes, it's, it took Jonah sinking to the bottom for him to look up to God. It took Jonah sinking to the bottom for him to look up to God. I, I want you to see a progression in Jonah's story, and maybe you can identify with it with your own story. The whole story begins in chapter one with Jonah running from God, going down to Joppa, it says. And then he boarded a ship and he went down into the ship and went to sleep. And then the next part is he went down into the water after the guys threw him in the water. And then the next step is he went down into the belly of the fish from being in the water. Do you see the progression? Down, 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 down. Let me give you a reality check when it comes to sin in our life. Sin never stays in the position that it's in right now. It's always going to be progressive because it's eventually trying to destroy you. So it will never stay at the level that it's at. Sin undealt with, unchecked, will continue to bring you down, 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 and down until you have that breaking point. And a lot of people calling it, or like to call it hitting, you guys know the saying? Hitting rock bottom. Where the only reason you're looking up is because you can no longer sink down any further than you're at. And some of you are here at church today because at some point in your life, you hit your rock bottom. You hit that place and that position of life where you just felt like life as you knew it was over because you got yourself into a really huge mess. And a lot of times, bottoms happen because your finances begin squeezing you, your spouse threatens leaving you, your health is failing you, your addiction is destroying you. You get to a point where you realize like, what more do I have to lose in order for me to turn my life around? And that's my question to us this morning. Like Jonah had his moment of hitting rock bottom. It was in the belly of a fish. But ha have you hit your rock bottom yet? What is it gonna take for you to stop what you're doing and call out for God to help you. Because the word of God says, when we call out for God to help us, he's there in our time of need. And I'm a, I'm a personal witness with this, that every time I've had a situation in my life that overwhelmed me, that was trying to overtake me, I call out to God, boom, he's there. He's on scene. He's, he's letting his presence be felt by me, but more importantly, he's speaking to my heart the wisdom on how to get me through the situation that I'm going through. God is here wanting to give you direction and discernment for how to get out of the mess possibly that you got yourself into, or maybe even you just found your way into just because of the world circumstances that you're going through. Psalm 46 verse one, it says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. Your first step to your comeback is simply calling out to God in your trouble. How do you turn your life around? You call out to God. God, I need help. I, I'm telling you, one of the most powerful prayers you can pray is God help me. I need your help, God. 
And every time you pray that prayer, God shows up on scene in some way, in some fashion, because he wants you to change your life and he wants you to follow him. We talked about Jonah's bottom, but let's talk about your bottom. That kind of sounds funny. Let's talk about your bottom. Because here's the reality that if you're real honest with yourself, you're going to have to lose a lot more before you come to that place where you call out to God for help. Maybe pride. Maybe it's ego. I, can, I got this. I don't need anybody's help. I, I, I don't know. I, I look at... M- you know, so many people in my life, besides my own life, like as being a pastor for as long as I've been, I've seen some stuff. I've seen some people go through stuff. And probably one of the most uh, memorable stories in my mind as a pastor actually came from my childhood best friend. And I mean, we did everything together growing up. We were inseparable. We, we I mean, we were ch- children of the 80s, man. We you know, you watch Stranger Things, like that was us. We were on our bikes everywhere, man. That was our life. And we, when we got into our 20s, we kind of lost contact. And, and I started like wondering where he's at, what he's doing to reach out to him and nothing. And then like 10 years later, I'm in my 30s. I get a phone call from his ex-wife. He had divorced and was seeing another lady, but his ex-wife called me and said, your friend's in trouble. I go, I haven't heard from my friend. Like, what do you mean he's in trouble? She said, he is severely addicted to alcohol, and if he doesn't get help, he's going to die. He's not even getting out of bed anymore, so I I think if you went and and maybe you talked to him, you could maybe talk him into getting some treatment, and so I said, absolutely, got his address and went over to his house, and there he was. He looked a mess, barely able to talk to me. He told me that pretty much his regular routine is to drink a whole bottle of tequila at like eight in the morning and he's passed out by nine or 10, sleeps through the day, lost his job, losing his relationship with his kids, already lost his marriage. And so we had that moment of reality where I just was able to speak to him, bro, like what else needs to go wrong in your life before you realize that you need to turn your life to God and allow him to help turn your life around. And he and I had both been baptized together as youth. We were both 15 at this church, and he just kind of w- walked away from God. And I said, man, I, I, you know, I'm a pastor now. You know that. Let's, let's get together. Let's, I want to help you. And I knew of this program called Teen Challenge. There's a great program to help people with recovery, with addiction issues. And so I had made a phone call and asked for a favor. They gave him a bed. And I told my buddy, I said, they've got a bed waiting for you. And it's a great program. It's going to help you, man. You're going to be a transformed bro. And he goes, ah, like how long is the program? I go, it's a year, but it's free. Like they're sponsoring you. You don't have to pay a dime. I can't give a year up of my life, man. You know, it's my job. I'm going to, you know, I'll lose the stuff that I have. And I said, bro, look at me. If you don't go into some kind of a program and get some serious help, there will not be a job to go back to because there will not be a life that you have. You're going to die. That got his attention. (laughs) So we got him into the program. He went through the whole program, graduated from the program, was set free from his alcohol addiction, and loves Jesus and is a leader in one of our church campuses. So there you go. I mean... But sometimes, too, 
Sometimes you, you need to kind of be that friend to help point somebody out that it doesn't get much lower than this. Trust me, I've been there. I've seen a thing or two. What more do you have to lose for you to find your bottom and for you to turn your life over to God? I hope not a lot. But parents, I, I really feel like I need to give a warning label here. Because I see a trend right now with, with parenting. And all my kids are adult children now, and we know that they love God and have their own relationship with God. But I have this tendency as a dad, if my kid is in trouble, I want to be there to help them. Like, what parent doesn't want to do that? But I saw early on that sometimes if I'm helping them in every situation that they're going into and dealing with, that I'm actually hurting them. I'm not helping them. And I had to learn that lesson through a few situations that my kids went through. And I've, I think I've reached a balance. I'm constantly praying through it. But what I've seen happen is that parents are always showing up to certain, certain kids that they have and bailing them out of situations that they're going through. And they don't have time to be in the belly of the fish to process the need for God in their life. Are you tracking with me? Like they're just so quick to go pull them out of the fish's belly. And that's great. Yeah, you have rescued them, but you haven't allowed your kids to process faith for themselves. That it's in those moments where God rescues you out of the belly of the fish that you raise up faith for yourself. That this isn't about my parents' faith in God. This is about my faith in God. That, that God rescued my parents, but guess what? God is rescuing me. So parents, don't be so quick to jump in there and take the role that God has reserved himself to take because he's trying to build up your kid's faith in the process of their problem. Can you receive that word this morning? Just, just let that just kind of simmer as we think about this idea of getting to a place of trusting God fully. Here's the second point, write this down. And that is Jonah blew it big time, but God didn't give up on him. Have you ever felt in your life that you've done something wrong one too many times that God is done with you? He's finished with you? Maybe even you had that like voice in your head like, ah, oh, bro, or ah, oh, lady. I don't know what God calls the ladies there. Ah, oh. You know, I, I forgave you before, but this is like the 20th time and I'm done with you. You're disqualified. There's no way that you're gonna have a comeback. See, that's not the voice of God. That is the voice of the enemy trying to prevent you from getting back connected with God. When you hear those voices, that is definitely not the right voice to listen to, but that's the voice that's going on in Jonah's life. Listen to verse three again. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas. This is like an idiom for like the place of the abyss. This is the place where like God typically puts your sin and takes the sin that the priest is going to the temple and delivering from the people. That's, that's the, the, the place that the sin is being buried in. And Jonah's saying, God, I'm out there where all the sin is. Like you have forgot me. You've cast me out of your sight. The current swirled about me. All the ways and breakers swept over me. I've said I've been banished from your sight. I don't know if this resonates with you or not, but 
Jonah's in a place where he felt like God was completely done with him, but yet God sent a fish to rescue him. Now, if you're Jonah and you don't have the rest of the story, you're living this in real time, right? Hindsight's 2020. The fish swallows him up and we're like, oh, we know the rest of the story. Jonah doesn't know that. The fish comes up and swallows him. He's like, this is game over. It's been a nice life. I disobeyed God and now I'm fully like living in the consequences of my bad decision. Like here I go, I am going to become fish poop now. Like that, that's where I'm at. That's, this is it. So long world, so long life. And in this strange, odd way, God uses the instrument of death to become a vehicle of grace to give Jonah brand new life. I know that we're talking about like fish here, but does this story resonate with the story that we know about Jesus? Like this smells like the gospel to me. Matthew chapter 12, Jesus references the story of Jonah. He says, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now something greater than Jonah is here. So Jesus is telling these guys, you know the story of Jonah? Everyone's like, yeah, we all know the story of Jonah. He goes, that's kind of like what I'm here to do. I'm here to do that very same thing. Just as, as Jonah went into the belly of a fish and, and God brought him new life, I'm going to be delivered over to death, but the, the actual death is a vehicle to bring new life. That the cross that Jesus took upon himself actually was the launching pad to a whole different new way of life for us. Jesus is the anti-Jonah. Jonah did everything wrong, Jesus did everything right, and Jesus brought us this opportunity to have new life. He went into the heart of sea in our place. He went there and he bore our sin so that God would not have to forget us, God could simply forget our sin. Let me give you a couple scriptures. Micah 7, verse 19. You will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. Jeremiah 31, verse 34. And I will forgive and forget their sins. See, God hasn't forgotten you. God has forgiven you. And there is a major difference between them. He wants to forgive you and forget your sin because he wants you to move beyond your past. He wants you to be past your past. Some of you, this is a word for somebody here. You are stuck in wrongdoing from your past. And as long as you're looking backwards, you can't see what God is bringing to you forwards. You can't look back and forwards at the same time. And there's a reason in your car, the rear view mirror is so much smaller than the windshield. Why? Because what's behind you is so much less important than what's coming ahead of you. 
Yes, you should look back and thank God for what he's done in your past and how he's brought you from your past, but don't get stuck living in the past when God has simply not just forgiven you, it's as if you've never even done those things to begin with. Come on. That's amazing love right there. And we all have that tendency to live in that place of feeling like God is done with us. In reality, God is just getting started with us. He's just getting started with you. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, he's just getting started with your life. See, here's the beautiful power of the gospel, that what Jonah reveals in his story and what Jesus declares to us on the cross is that we serve a God of second chances. We serve God who loves giving you another shot at life. In golf, right? You call it a mulligan. I don't know where that expression came from, but you get a mulligan. You get to take another shot at it. That's basically what a mulligan is. Have a bad shot, get to take another shot at it. What the gospel does for us is it gives us another shot at life. Maybe we haven't been that spouse that we hope to be or that parent that we wanted to be, or that human being that we know that we need to be. God is saying, I want to forget your sin, but I want to remember you. I want to propel you forward and let you have a do-over at this life. I'm telling you, I can think of a lot of moments in my life I wish I could have a DeLorean take me back in time and, and just like, you know, cause that's what time travel, it, you know, it, it, it's done through a DeLorean, all right? So I would go back in time in moments. How many can think of a very specific moment that if you had a do-over, you know, right where you would put the computer, you go, I'd go right back to this moment, bam, hit enter, go back and change something. I remember a guy telling me in the early 90s to invest in this coffee company because they were gonna take over the world. And he talked about, it's a restaurant that all they do is serve coffee. I go, dude, that will never work. So he goes, I'm investing. I go, what's the name of this place? He goes, Starbucks. I go, I've never heard of it. Man, am I a dummy? I wish I would have invested in Starbucks in the early 90s, and I would probably be a lot wealthier man today. That would be a do-over, just give you one example, but I can think of probably 30 do-overs. But the thing is, when God is in your life, every day you wake up, come on somebody, it's a do-over day. That you get a heavenly do-over every time you go to bed and you wake up because he says, my mercies are new every morning. Look at your neighbor and say, his mercies are new for you today. That is some good stuff right there. You are in a perpetual state of having a do-over for your life. Didn't get it right yesterday. That's okay. Today's a new day, baby. You get a do-over today. Some of you, I I just set you free from a lot of the garbage of condemnation that the enemy is pouring onto you when the mercies of God are so much greater than the messes from your past. So just know that. Peter had his own moment with Jesus where he was condemned in the the past of what he did. And Jesus came on scene and says, Peter, I'm giving you a second shot. Do it right this time. And that's your word today. 
God's giving you another chance at your marriage. God's giving you another chance with your family. God's giving you another chance with your health. And this is your word. Do it right this time. And the way we do it right is we do it with God leading us. That's how we do it. Does that make sense? Here's the third point. Write this down. Jonah gave thanks and praise to God while he was surrounded by some stank. Say with me, stank. There's some, I tell you, there's a lot of stinky odors on this planet, but one of the worst in my mind is fish, like especially dead fish smell. You know what, you know what that smells like? It's terrible. You go over by a harbor where they're you know, gutting all the fish, and that's terrible. Jonah was living in that space. He was in the belly of a fish. Can you imagine the odor that he was putting up with in that space? But in the midst of the foul stench, listen to what he does in verse 9. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. This is what happens with all of us. When our circumstances are bad, our attitudes are bad. Because our attitudes are majorly influenced by the circumstances that we're in, right? So when you have some stinky circumstances, you will more than likely have a stinky attitude. Okay, I'm preaching to somebody right now. Okay, no elbowing allowed. But can I just ask an honest question? How's your attitude been lately? How's your attitude been? See, when your attitude matches your circumstances, that's natural. But when your attitude defies the circumstances that you're living in, that, my friend, is supernatural. And this is where Jonah is choosing to live. He's choosing to live in this place that he is not gonna let his circumstances dictate his attitude. I call it a gratitude adjustment. That, that when he gave thanks to God, it shifted his attitude. And giving thanks does that because our, our minds are so caught up in all the things that are wrong, all the things that we don't have. We get stuck in that space. And the more that we get stuck in all the things that are wrong and all the things that we don't have, the, the deeper and more depressed we become. When in reality, it's not all bad. Look at us. We're sitting in an amphitheater in Southern California. It's like, what, probably close to 70 degrees? I know that you got some bad circumstances, but can you just pause and thank God that you get to live in a place and have the privileges that you have in this Conejo Valley, in this like Disneyland area of the world? Come on, give some, some praise to God. It may not all be right, but at least this part is right. You gotta give some thanks for the things that are right. Because that gratitude shifts your attitude. And when Jonah, this is what I love about this story. When Jonah got grateful, he got out. Look at the next verse. He started giving shouts of praise, and then the fish vomited out. Him, I don't know what he was doing, but he was just praising God. Oh, God, I thank you. Blah, and there he goes. When he got grateful, he got out. This speaks so much to me because 
It's one thing to praise God while you're going through some stinky circumstances. It's another thing to think that me praising God can actually deliver me from my stinky circumstances. And I believe that shouts of praise will do that. It has the power to set you free from the very thing that is holding you back. And I don't know what that is for you, but I believe that gratitude is that gateway for releasing you from being captured by that problem that seems to be overwhelming you. See, think about this moment. He gets grateful, and this problem that is life actually becomes the provision for his life to move him towards the promise that God has spoken for his life. So the problem becomes the provision that gets him to his promise. I believe shouts of praise is the catalyst to make that change and that shift for your life, where it's through your shouts of praise that problems turn into provision that turn into promises. I really believe that. So we have to ask God to give us the capacity to praise him beyond our circumstances so that as we give our shouts of praise, God can flip the switch, not just on our attitude, but also on our circumstances. Just a few weeks ago, we had Pastor Kevin here sharing with us how praise is a weapon that heaven chooses to use to open doors that otherwise would never be open. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas, about midnight, are chained to the inner chamber of the, the prison where they're at. And they begin singing songs to God. Now, it's, there's a reason it says about midnight, because midnight represents the darkest time of the night. So in their darkest moment, when everything is wrong for them, they begin declaring the goodness of God regardless of the darkness, regardless of the circumstances. And something about the praise, something about the worship opened the doors of the prison cell and set the bindings loose of the chains that were holding them in. God did a work that day in Paul and Silas, and it started by singing in their midnight moment. I know there's some stinky circumstances surrounding your life. I know there's some darkness that just is just penetrating the walls of your family and penetrating the walls of who you are as a person. But I'm here to tell you that if you can come out with a shout that God is here to bring a deliverance that only he can bring, but it starts with us being able to praise God despite the stinkiness of our circumstances. So we're gonna praise God right now. We're gonna practice what we are talking about right now. So would you just stand to your feet? And I wanna pray this prayer over you. And we're just gonna let this time Remind us of the goodness of God towards our life. That he has thrown our sin into the depths of the sea. Where he hasn't just forgiven us, he has forgotten about them all together. We are going to be grateful for that. We're going to be grateful 
that even though our circumstances are huge and big and great, our God is greater. And we're gonna declare to God his goodness and his greatness because we believe that not only is this going to help our attitude adjust, we believe that all of heaven joins in the chorus of our praise and that there are things being loosened in heaven over your life, over your circumstances that could otherwise not be loosened. There's anxiety, there's depression, there is, there is all kinds of violence and anger that God wants to set you free from today, that all of heaven's chorus is gonna get involved and help you fight your battle today. So Father, we give you our worship, we give you our praise, we give you our honor. We know that God, even though our circumstances are great, Lord, you are greater. God, even though everything's not perfect, God, we know that you are a good God and that you are here to declare to us that in that goodness, there is deliverance. Church, let's worship God. Thank you for tuning in today to another great message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on Spotify, iTunes Podcast, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms, and then click the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our family. For more information about our church, go to our official website at atmosphere.church. Finally, if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you? To make a donation, simply go to our website and click the link that says Give. Your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Until next time, we pray you will keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love.